Welcome to Our Faith in Writing. I'm Charlotte Donlin. As a writer and a spiritual director for writers, I believe writing and reading help us belong to ourselves, others, God, and the world. Our Faith in Writing explores the intersection of writing and faith through conversations about the writing process, the reading life, contemplative practices, and more. Thanks for listening. You're about to hear an episode from one of my old podcasts that explores themes connected to our faith in writing. You may hear the Lists of Nine podcast or the Art and Faith Unplugged podcast mentioned during this episode, and that's okay. You're still here with us at Our Faith in Writing. Thanks again for listening. You are listening to Lists of Nine. I'm Charlotte Donlin. Thanks so much for listening. On this episode, I'm talking to Andrew Graney about nine of his favorite poems. Andrew Lawrence Graney is a teacher and writer from Wilmington, Delaware. He received his MFA in creative writing from Seattle Pacific University. His poems have appeared in Connotation Press, the American Journal of Poetry, St. Catherine Review, Redheaded Stepchild, and elsewhere. When not writing, he is probably watching stand-up, listening to a comedian's podcast, or wishing he had a ping-pong table. I will have links to some of Andrew's poems in the show notes for this episode. Please check those out when you get a chance. You'll be glad you did. And all show notes for lists of nine can be accessed via my website at charlottedonlin.com. Welcome, Andrew. It's so good to talk to you and hear more about nine of your favorite poems. Thank you for having me, Charlotte. It's great to be here. Um, Let's start with you reading your list, and then I'll start my timer. We will talk for nine minutes and try to fit in as much good stuff as possible during that time. I'm going to try to keep most of my thoughts to myself so we have more time to hear from you. Does that sound good? It does, yes. Okay. Well, um, let me get my timer ready. Okay, you read the list of nine, and then I'll start my timer. And then after that, um, we'll talk just about a few of the poems from your list. All right, sounds good. So my list of nine poems, nine of my favorite poems, it's in no particular order, but I'll start with Still Life with Issa at the Gates by Alexander Long. And then number two is Guide by Adelia Prado. Number three is Against Consolation by Robert Cording. Number four is Piano Lessons by William Matthews. Number five is The Quilt by Larry Levis. Number six, I have Perhaps the World Ends Here by Joy Harjo. Number seven is Those Winter Sundays by Robert Hayden. Eight is Filling Station by Elizabeth Bishop. And nine is Angel Adages by Devin Miller Duggan. Great. Um, And I have read all of these poems and they are fantastic. I love hearing um, while reading and experiencing the poems that you appreciate. So thank you so much for sharing those. And I will include links to most of these poems in the show notes. There are a couple that can't necessarily be found online. Um, And for those, I will link to the books that they can be found in. Okay, I'm going to hit the timer, and we will start, okay? Okay. Okay, so let's start with um, 
these four poems that I've chosen from your list guide against consolation, filling station, and perhaps the world ends here. I'd love to hear a little bit about why you love each of these four poems. All right. Yeah, I'll be happy to talk about them. So with with guide, I think um, what what leads me to say that this is one of my favorite poems is the the posit of the poem that she says poetry will save her. That's the the poet is saying poetry will save her. And then she admits that this might be blasphemy because she is um, a devout Catholic, uh, the writer is. And so she admits that it she should accept that only God can save her. And then she, but she repeats throughout the poem, nevertheless, poetry will save me. And I think poetry saves Prado, saves the, the speaker and, and the poet in much the same way that it saves me as a, a reader and writer. I think that it saves us because it's not about dogma, but about the concrete realities of life. And so poetry neither denies the, the brutal nor the beautiful. And it also, it doesn't divide the brutal or the beautiful, but finds them, as they often are in life, commingled together. So I think for me and the poet both, uh, poetry brings us back to life, whatever that life is, the good, the bad, it brings us back to it and allows us to see it. So that's one, that's a main reason why I love this poem and why I love poetry in general is that it really, I find, does bring me back to life. I love so, that. Oh, go ahead. I, I was saying I love that. Everything you just said. And I'm going <laughs> to keep my thoughts to myself. Um, right, do you want to move on to the next poem? Sure. Thanks. So the next poem, um, Against Consolation by Robert Cording, is a, a hard poem to, to summarize. It's a, about a three and a half page poem. And just to, to set it up quickly, it's about um, the speaker is listening to a lecture about Simone Weil, but while he's listening to this lecture, he's thinking about a friend of his who has just had this horrible accident on on the road where a wheel from a truck spun off and ends up killing the people who was in the car of his friend, but his friend survived. And she's having a really hard time dealing with this naturally. And what I love about this poem is, I mean, I love everything about it, but really the way it ends, because I feel like the poem shouldn't work. It ends by talking about lilacs, and it says how they're beautifully innocent of meaning. And a poem about this terrible tragedy shouldn't be able to end, I feel like, by talking about lilacs. But because Bob is a master of craft, he does pull it off, where he talks... I think beautifully is the important word there, how the lilacs are beautifully innocent of meaning, because it is painful that there is no explanation for suffering, for the accidents that occur. But at the same time, it's great that some things can't be explained away. If we could explain away the lilac scent or why they bloom, we could just discard it after we explained it away. So it's beautiful that we can explain the lilacs and at the same time, it hurts that we can't explain our sufferings, but it also is kind of beautiful that we can't. It would be a shame if we could just explain our sufferings away 
and then throw them away. That seems even more heartbreaking. So we have to live in the heartbreak of it. And there's some kind of beauty in there. So that contradiction there is what really loves me or drives me to uh, love that poem Against Consolation by Robert Corden. Yeah, that when I read that poem for the first time, it, I mean, it was very heartbreaking. Um, and yeah, how the fact that he's able to brilliantly weave in kind of this this idea of hope and beauty with the tragedy is is amazing. So yeah, <laughs> it really is. And then um, third, I'll go to uh, perhaps the world ends here next. Okay. And um, so that poem. I really like it because of the the holy tone that it strikes from the from the beginning. It has a holy tone throughout it, and the poem encompasses every emotion from joy to sorrow, laughter, anger, everything. And that brings me back to that holy tone uh, because the poem begins by saying, "Perhaps the world begins at a kitchen table," then goes on to speak of everything that happens in life at the kitchen table. And then ends by saying, perhaps the world ends here at the kitchen table. So I feel like the poem, therefore, by going from birth to death and everything in between, and because it has that holy tone throughout it, then connotes that it's all holy. Everything of life is holy. The, the good, the bad, and everything that happens at a kitchen table is holy. So that's really why I like that poem. And then I have a few, it always, every time I read it, brings a different scene of me sitting at a table. So that's, that's another just side note. That's a nice thing about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, reading that poem made me think about the table that we've had in our home since our kids were born and um, everything that's happened since then and what will happen, you know, in the future at that table. Um, and you're right. Like the idea that all is holy is um a wonderful point that that poem makes and that uh, the poet pulls off very well. Yeah, it does. It reminds me of both um, a couple things come to mind. I remember after a cousin of mine died in a car crash and after his funeral, sitting around the table with my family, just eating subs, eating Italian subs. And I don't even remember our conversation really, but I remember the feeling of it and, the smiles of my family and, mm -hmm. and the tears of my family. And it was really nice. And then likewise, uh, I was just thinking also of the first meal that I ate in uh, the SPU MFA program, the first dinner that I ate there. I remember sitting with uh, Jeff Overstreet and Ann Overstreet and some others and uh, my first meal of something that became a big part of my life. So it really does... Uh, the kitchen table really does hold everything, it seems like. Yeah, it does. I love those memories that you just shared. Thank you for sharing those. Um, all right. Do you want to, you have about a minute and 45 seconds left. Do you want to um, talk about the filling station real quick? Yeah, that sounds great. So the filling station by Elizabeth Bishop. This is one of the first poems that, uh, that taught me how to read poems, really. But uh, that's not important for this conversation. What, why I like it is um, Elizabeth Bishop is always precise with her imagery. And in this poem, she is as well. She's talking about a gas station and talking about how everything's grease-soaked, grease-oil-permeated. And she goes through in incredibly precise detail talking about the family that she sees working the filling station. And 
she also makes good use of questions in this poem and in other poems of hers. And it's those questions uh, and that precision of detail that allows this poem to succeed and really all her poems to succeed. She's talking about this, this dirty filling station and, and it's pretty comical and it's keeping the reader along, but the reader doesn't really know where it's going necessarily until the end of the poem where she realizes that somebody is embroidered a doily that's at this gas station and somebody put comic books at this gas station and arranged the cans together. And so I realized that through her precision of detail that she's used throughout the poem and questions that she's asked, like, why the plant? Why the doily? Questions about these details. It's that precision that allows for the turn at the end in which she realizes that somebody loves us all. That's the last, uh, the last sentence of the poem. And so it's her precision of detail that allows her to see the love in the in the gas station which fittingly she calls a filling station uh to to connote that it really is about love and that somebody loves us all yeah uh, um the timer just went off but i want to add real quick that poem is one that i wish i could read for the first time over and over again <laughs> that makes sense <laughs> um absolutely yeah well i wish we could talk about your list of poems for hours, um, but we can stop there. Thank you so much for being on lists of nine and sharing um, nine of your favorite poems. Um, If you have any other um, ideas or thoughts that you want to add to the show notes, you can send those to me and I'll post them on the website with links to all of these poems. Okay, sounds good. Thanks thanks so much for having me. This has been a blast. Yeah, great. Okay, I'll, I'll talk to you soon. All right, see you. All right, that's all for this episode of Our Faith in Writing. Thanks so much for listening and giving your attention to the ways writing and reading help us belong to ourselves, others, God, and the world. I'd love for you to visit us online at ourfaithinwriting.com, where you can find more information about my spiritual direction for writers and other contemplative offerings, read essays and articles by writers who care about faith, and learn more about our partners and sponsors. I'd also love to connect with you on social media. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Charlotte Donlin. Subscribe to Our Faith in Writing wherever you listen to podcasts, and don't forget to rate and review the show, letting us know how these conversations help you feel less alone in your writing life and your reading life.